Hey, screen rats, couch potatoes. Today's guest on Television Times podcast is the wonderful Raoul Coley. He's a very funny guy. He is a comedian. He's from the northeast of England. He lives in Newcastle. And he's also from Indian descent. I'm only bringing that up because we talk about India a little bit because my uh, wife became pregnant with our firstborn son while we were in India in 2013. And I've been there a few times and, you know, it invariably went that way, partly due to uh, the sort of subject matter of his new full hour show, which he will be doing in Edinburgh. Now, Raoul is a talkative gentleman. He has a lot to say, and I don't know if this podcast was even long enough uh, for him, so he may be back at some point. This one was a lot of information, all of it good, uh, but he's a really good guy, and I think you'll enjoy a lot of what he has to say. He came around to the house. It was one of the first... I think he was only the second person to come around the house for a face-to-face, so I'm not sure if the audio quality is exactly top-notch. But I will do my best to make it sound lovely within your earlobes. Now, to my little pre-chat. Today, we're just going to have a little chat about spoilers. I think the best thing to say about this podcast is this. If you happen to be in a bath, friend of mine, and a podcast is playing and they're about to say something about succession, then just say, hey, Siri, pause podcast. All your phones have just gone mad, haven't they? Um, Or something like that. Just assume this particular podcast is going to have spoilers. I don't want to say uh, individually what they are at the beginning of each episode because there's loads of them, you know. Uh, There's no point me bringing them all up, otherwise you're going to know what I'm going to be talking about. So just assume that this is a spoiler zone. So if we bring up something, I always do say something like, uh, if you haven't watched it, stop the podcast here, you know. Uh, So we do give them during... But be forewarned, we do talk about television, therefore there will be spoilers about almost every TV show we talk about. So it will be a massive list every week, so I'm not going to do that. Um, I do put it in the text, I think, uh, weekly, so, you know. But let's just say this is a spoiler show, full of spoilers from start to finish. I'll try and mention as best I can which uh, TV shows we're going to be talking about in the text of the episode beforehand. So, yeah, I mean, I hate spoilers. I hate trailers that tell me everything that's going to be going on in a film or a TV show before I see it. I think it's uh, far nicer that we live in a time where when you go to cinema or they show something on TV, there's just a little slate that shows you that something's coming, make you be excited, what they called um, uh, teasers. Prefer a teaser to a trailer, uh, which they still do on Netflix. If you look at the odd thing, you'll get the whole story if you watch a trailer if i could give you one piece of advice no matter what show film whatever documentary you're watching have a little read about it don't watch trailers trailers are terrible they don't tell you enough or they tell you everything uh i mean trailers have kind of changed over the years but i have noticed uh, a tendency especially with comedies to show you the whole goddamn thing Right, let's get straight into the episode with Raoul Coley. He's got a lot to say. You're going to hear a lot of information. Be prepared. Get a pen and pencil, people. His new hour-long show is called The Full English. That's with an I at the beginning, I-N-G English. And I believe that has been changed to Raoul Britannia for his show in Scotland during the Edinburgh Fringe. Details will be provided in the text of this episode. Here we go. There will be a lot of fucking spoilers in this one. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a new podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last ten years, even what's on right now. 
So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. We've had some very interesting guests on, some great uh-huh. guests, if I do say so myself. Um, Guy um, is, is a wonderful man and he's a, a good lovely man. Yeah. He's outstandingly lovely, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, really That makes sweet. me think he's hiding something. He's too <laughs> lovely. For his, why is he so lovely? That's a noisy beginning. Let's keep it down. But I don't think I would have moved back to Newcastle if the stand didn't exist in its form. Really? Where did you live before you came back? Well, I was living uh, in your motherland, good sir. London? Uh, yes, I was. And the then the pandemic of... struck and I was paying £500 a month ah. on a rolling contract to live in a coffin. And I couldn't really... Like, you pay for the benefits of London. You pay to yeah. be out there, to be visiting um, cool places, mm-hmm. to be close to culture. Yeah. You're paying so you can network and do gigs and suddenly all that was taken away from me. They hadn't announced the grants yet, so I was like, I can get a job yeah. in Tesco or something like that, but it, it, I, I couldn't... Like I could also do that in Newcastle on the same, if not similar, wage. Yeah, and no. I could just save that money instead of pissing it away on rent. So I moved back, home, back to my parents, oh. uh, and then it was just a bit of a big case of every time I thought my calendar was back to normal, you'd get that dreaded notification. Yeah, you know, to your phone from the BBC, Chris Whitty and Boris Johnson oh, right. are making an announcement yeah, at five yeah, thirty yeah. PM tonight, and you know what that meant? That meant your calendar was about to collapse, yeah, and your yeah, life yeah. was going back to inside the house, and you weren't allowed to do anything. Um, but then once things got back to normal, it's been weird. I've been trying to sort of just get back to where I was, which yeah. I have now. But I've also realised I'm older than I was. Do you know what you're I mean? When you're, a, you're still a very young you're, man. You're very yeah, you're but when you're mid twenties, living in a box room, and you're travelling yeah. around the, the the globe doing comedy and yeah. making you know a bit of money, but not much to put aside. That's great. But as I've got into my thirties, I'm like two things. Yeah. I, I kind of want a bit more money to put to the side, mm-hmm. but also I'm sort of. I'm not quite as comfortable sleeping on couches as I used to be. Uh, I want to spend yeah. less time travelling and more time on my own couch. But with, with the shift to content, and well, like we're doing now, yeah, podcasts, yeah. that you kind of anywhere. stuff, you can sort of be anywhere, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm still sort of being my old self. I'm still doing a lot of travelling and being in Newcastle is tiring me because mm. you always have to fit in an extra day. Like yeah, if I go and so, do European so gigs, north, then there's no direct flight from Newcastle. Go via a skip I've got on. to go to London right. and then... Well, it's usually too Ooh. expensive to fly via Skipple, so that you get it. the train or the bus down to London right. or Manchester and then you fly from there, but then you've got to get an extra day when you get back yeah, to you travel home. Day, yeah, yeah. So you don't really get time to spend one night in your own bed. You get home, yeah. unpack, repack, spend one night in your own bed. It's not exactly a relaxing day yeah. or sleep. Then you're back up and off again. Someone London actor with your name, I noticed. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. Born in <laughs> Sorry, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can fucking swear. He's, he's a lovely he's, man. He's, he's actually yeah, very lovely, and he's been he's <laughs> been around since before me, yeah. and has taken the fact that a comedian has turned up with his name yeah. uh, very gracefully. But you would take it very gracefully if yeah, you're yeah, the one yeah. with five hundred thousand followers. <laughs> um, it's just annoying because you know, as a kid, I couldn't find a keyring. Yeah. A pen oh, yeah. with Rahul or Coley on. You uh, find every other name, yeah, yeah. but not not Rahul, not Coley. And then nah. I got into the arts, which I believed was the whitest sport on planet <laughs> Earth. And there's somebody with my full name there. That's unbelievable. Not only is he more successful than me, he's more handsome than me. And he's yeah, in all these Netflix movies. He's genuinely very lovely, but it's just like, I don't know. I could have made a decision and I didn't make that decision, which was when I realised I should have changed my name entirely. I should have been like Rahul Kumar or... But I, I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, um, and now I'm t- 
too far in, but there's still that confusion. And you've got that great bit about it, so you know, not to say it on here. But so, yes, yes, know, yes, yes, yes. It's, it's really good. Yeah, thank you very awesome. kindly. So, have you spent any time in Singapore? You said your mum's from Singapore. No, I have not. My best friend is married to a, a Singaporean Indian woman out there. Right. Um, I went to uni with him, um, and I'm not saying that's the effect I have on people, but <laughs> but yeah. But three of my four flatmates ended up. Uh, they were all white, but they all ended up with ethnic minorities. So what oh, can I say? Did rub people up the right way? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I've never been to Singapore. My mum's not really. She is and she isn't. It depends right. how you define it. Um, okay. You have a a multitude of backgrounds to you and your family, so do I. Mm. My mum was in Singapore till she was six yeah. because her dad was in the British military. Now, her oh, dad yeah. was from Punjab, like my father and his yeah. family too, and like most of my family, but he was a British peacekeeper uh, for the British military uh, and he was living in Singapore until she was six and then they went briefly back to their Bind, which is the Hindi or Punjabi for your yeah. like, village. And you've gone from Singapore, which is like quite a advanced British colonial outpost where yeah. there's flushing toilets and brick walls to mud huts and holes in the ground again. And yeah, my yeah. I was like, oh no, I don't think I can... Where, I don't where think in I can the Punjab? We don't know. My you mother know. does not know. Oh, it annoys right. me. My father's village is Dehradun. I visited. I've had a great okay. time there. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to visit my mum's Bind. Uh, but... I have no idea where it is tonight. Right. <laughs> she, she was very young. Uh, her dad has now passed. I'm sure she really oh, wanted the intro to try. Wasn't, it wasn't passed down. Uh, yeah, I feel oh, like wow. we could probably find it, but we've just not made the effort, really. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm off home after this podcast. I'm going to actually maybe uh, uh, chase that up and see if we can find out where it is so we can visit. But yes, uh, and then being a British soldier, he had British citizenship, so mm, yeah. he decided to move to Britain and take the family. Cool. And I never really understood why I moved to Newcastle. That's always been... A question in my mind um but i'm very happy that he did move to yeah. newcastle um and then my dad moved a lot later when he was about 2021 20, met right. my mom they got married and, yeah and then here i am all these years later here you are with your jewelry accent exactly that <laughs> with my diehard two army support and family <laughs> We sort of just travelled with him. I worked in China. We were all over the place. He was actually conceived in India, um, and we. That makes me feel so welcome. Does it? <laughs> well, this might not make you feel welcome. As soon as we found out he was that she was pregnant, we were like, "We got to get the fuck down this mountain." <laughs> you don't want to be stuck up the Himalayas. Uh, we were. We were up in uh, where were we? Uh, McLeod Ganj. I mean, with respect to my motherland, <laughs> even the cities don't really have the best uh, healthcare systems. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's ironic, isn't it, given how yeah. many of us are doctors? But no, if you go to India, there's so many people and yeah. there's not really the infrastructure. Like, for all of the criticism <laughs> we can level at the NHS, waiting lists, yeah, and so yeah, on yeah, and yeah. so forth, it is a phenomenal institution and they don't have that in India. And no. I would definitely rather give birth to it. Not that I ever will, mm. at least not in this lifetime. I am a Hindu, well, so who knows about the next lifetime. Exactly. But I would definitely <laughs> rather give birth uh, or go through any medical procedure in a UK hospital yeah I think, I think we are very very lucky so just quickly you're in Dharamshala because that's not yeah. far from my father's village Dehradun oh yeah yeah uh, because been... it's right near the Tibetan border isn't it because that's where the, the yeah, Dalai yeah, yeah. Lama went when well, uh, yeah, China we just... occupied Tibet um, I hope he's not going to get cancelled. He's been in the news lately. But, yeah, oh, the Dalai Lama! We've been to, <laughs> sucking on the tongue! <laughs> yeah. We, what are you doing, DL? Calm down. 
Stop doing that shit. Don't give them fucking ammunition. Oh, that's Chinese bots are working on that one. But yeah, uh, yes, no, a lot of Tibetans believe that uh, China are probably making that a bit bit worse you than it so? is. Yeah, spreading it yeah. a bit further. I probably find say it that. hard to believe he's a bad man. It's, it would be very difficult. No, to I've that. seen him. I've seen him give him a speech. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I, I've read his book, The Art of Happiness. Yeah, I've got a couple um, of them. Got one there. What's that? Beyond religion and how to heal anger and all those. Ones. Yes, and it's like yeah. his, his religious philosophy seems to be. Uh, confirmed or seems to marry quite perfectly with Western science and beliefs around psychology yeah. and uh, neurology, which I think uh, I think I really I found a lot of peace with Buddhism in my life, and I found a lot to follow from the Dalai Lama. But I think in, in the age we're living in with Twitter yeah. and social media, uh, it was actually Malcolm X's autobiography that I read that people say I'm a terrorist, people say I'm this, that, and yeah, the other. Yeah. You can't define me by one sentence I've said. You can never define me by one action I've made in my life. I am the sum hmm. of all my actions absolutely, until the day I die. And that's really stuck with me. And I think that's something that uh, should be a bit more prescient, a bit more important, and we should probably yeah. put on billboards and on the top of Twitter and as soon as you log into <laughs> Google or Facebook or whatever in this day and age, because I think we, we absolutely love to murk people for yeah. what is what. I mean, it's not great what he said to the boy, don't get me wrong. No, it's but not. But he did uh, actually make the kid suck his tongue or anything no, it was, like that. It was a very a, bad joke. Yeah, that bad, is bad quite joke. creepy, but that's it. Do you know but what I mean? 18. It's not like, let's cancel the Dalai Lama <laughs> and cancel Buddhism. <laughs> when you were doing your Sanskrit podcast for BBC? Um, yes, it was. Oh, God, don't even start. Why would you do this? Uh, oh, because I want to listen to it. I haven't, I haven't it's managed It's a great yet. podcast. I, I it's probably the thing I am the most proudest of. Sounds brilliant. Uh, it's, it is a really good podcast, and it helped me learn a lot, and it helped me actually for all that. Buddhism was where I first found... I read the Bible when I was quite young. I was always quite spiritual. Yeah. And I found some sort of solace in what uh, the New Testament was, mm-hmm. but I didn't like the do-or-die aspect of it. I then yeah. found quite a lot of solace in Buddhism. I saw a talk by the Dalai Lama and... Beep, beep, beep. In Manchester, he's been cancelled. Uh, he's he's gonna get cancelled, yeah, uh, or he should be. <laughs> anyway, why I won't say because a few of my colleagues in my industry have very much uh, yeah. faced libel lawsuits for 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 talking about. We'll, we'll beef him out. Don't worry, I've got things he may have done in the past, but nonetheless, you can be top of the charts. You can sell loads of stand-up specials. You can sell loads of songs. But if you don't have some sort of political or spiritual opinion that pushes people Mm. and us as a species on a little bit further, in a hundred years, nobody's going to remember you. Do you know what I mean? Nowadays, Mm. you might be Drake. You might be... 50 years ago, you might be Engelbert Humperdinck. Engelbert Humperdinck. But nobody remembers those names now. Nobody will remember Drake in a hundred years the way that people remember, say, Tupac Shakur. Because that politics and that spiritual side is important. Mm. I think stand-up is to make intelligent points. Yeah. For the common person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For people who perhaps didn't have the greatest education. Like you you shouldn't be using big words. I think that's a cop out. And the amount of times I've seen him like use so many big words, I then have to look up at a thesaurus or dictionary. Yeah, I know. And then I've I've gone and translated <clears throat> what he said, and what he said means fucking nothing. Really? It could have been said in just three trying to sound smart. He's trying to sound Fuck. smart and it's a complete illusion. <laughs> Do it quite like you do it. You do it in a way. Oh, well, it's very complimentary. I think it's a bit excessive, but it's complimentary. No, 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 but do you know, know what I mean? Very because much take in, that. in the, I guess what I'm saying, I've got to say this is a slightly shitty way to get to the good bit. But you know, when someone comes on with a guitar, my fucking heart drops. Right? Yeah, 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 guitar, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like the worst thing. So if someone comes on and immediately starts talking about their ethnicity, I, I get that same feeling. Like, oh man, is this going to be that? 
you know, and, and you're not that. You're something very, very different and you bring everyone with you. And because it's maybe because it's quite a localised, northeasterly thing, you bring out something that I didn't even know I had. I forgot all about. And, and so I'm part of, not the problem, but part of the kind of, huh? When I first came to Newcastle, first came here, it's about mm-hmm. oh, 20 years ago, and I came out the station and I jumped in a taxi and my digs were in Gosforth. I got in the taxi and I said, oh, Gosforth, please. And an Asian guy turned around to me and went, wait, were you going to that? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and I know, I have to admit to myself that I did go, I did a double take because he sounded like my granddad. My granddad was from up, up around here. And I was uh-huh. like, why is this young Indian guy sound like my granddad? But of course he would. And, and for some reason, I never, ever thought about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it never yeah, occurred yeah, yeah. to me. But it was just like a kind of, huh. And I know I had it before. A year before I was in um, New Zealand traveling, I was changing my ticket. And this girl came up and looked like she was before me. So I was like, oh, you go ahead. Small Chinese girl. Walked up to the counter. Fucking strongest Glaswegian accent you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> now, maybe it's because how she looks and where I am. I'm not expecting that. Absolutely. But... What is that? Is that bad? Is that good? No, it's not bad. And I try and I'm really, because I use then, I use the, this all started because when I started doing, start, firstly at university, people were quite taken aback. There was never really a racial element, but they were just like, this Geordie's fucking mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I started doing stand-up down south, I particularly found that, firstly, like, in, even when I did it in the middle of the country, your Sheffields, your Manchesters, they were quite like, Oh, Geordie, like, is kind of likeable. Do you know what I mean? Because he's Geordie. But then when I started doing it down south, people would like, I'd just say, hello, my name is Raul and I'm from Newcastle. And that wasn't a joke. It was leading into that majority Indian man, if you'd rather, a Newcastle brown male, which is obviously a pun on the beer. But before I'd got to that bit, I'd say, hello, I'm Raul from Newcastle. And the audience would just start laughing. Oh, really? And I was like, what is happening here? (laughs) And they were doing what you're doing. They're like, what? Yeah, I know. And Indian from the northeast of England. Of course. I've done it myself. Before I was a stand-up, I talk about this in my set and that leads to a joke about being a Chinese scouser yeah. uh, that is 100% true and it caught me off guard um, I say uh, I met a black guy called Baba Tunde from Cornwall I've yeah. egged that up but it was, it was a black guy from Bristol named Jamal but he did have Hagrid's accent yeah. that threw me off guard the first time I didn't meet him but it was, I saw a video of like one of the members of the Bad Boy Chiller Crew who are a Bradford rap group and yeah, yeah. they look as white as day and they look kind of like the chavs um, I'll, I'll break in your house this kind of stuff yeah. Robin Crops are weed like that's their whole ethos within their music I remember just seeing a couple of them and just thinking they have a tinge of Indian accents and this is really confusing me yeah. like, they have a stronger Indian accent than me they, they have a little bit of like they sound more like they're raised by my yeah, dad yeah, yeah, than yeah. I do and that is obviously from the high levels of Indian and particularly yeah, yeah, yeah. Pakistani more Pakistani so Punjabi and... immigration to Bradford but mm. that's the country we're living in now um, yeah. and I think it's a wonderful wonderful thing that we celebrated but at first glance it is um, jarring might be too strong a word because jarring is negative mm. isn't it but like it, it does catch your guard it's just it, your, your, the front of your head isn't used to it I mean you're trying to get yeah you, maybe yet yeah, the front of your head's never seen it never mind the back of your head and when you're trying to sort of marry mm. those two when you're seeing something for the first time yeah. that can be sometimes where comedy is but it also just it's shock isn't it like, well it shocks you when you have these reactions like uh, I grew up in Ireland for five years of my childhood and I have to tell you it's the whitest place I've ever been in my life right everyone was white there was no one I swear to fuck within 50 miles that didn't look like me and now when I watch like um, comedy shows like uh, what are they called Young Offenders and there's like 
a black girl in it with a really strong Irish accent. And I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. But like, I'm always amazed when people's faces change with accent. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like when people yeah, start yeah. speaking a certain way, their faces change. So that girl looks Irish, right? She is an Irish girl. You can see it in her face. Scottish people. And mouths, it's interesting you, know. you say that because yeah. I have been trying to work something out, which I never have. I think yeah. you've just given me the key there. What's that? Is when I go to India, they know I'm British. Before I oh, open my mouth, they, they just yeah. see my face and they're like, my friend, nice yeah, yeah. price. Let you're, me tell you this. Let me double. tell you that. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know? Of like, I'm brown. Like, as know. soon as I, is it the clothes I'm wearing? I have no idea how you're working this out that quickly. What is going on here? But I think, yeah, like. It's the way you carry yourself. It's, it's yeah, all of it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just a different, you it, just look different. I've had this from Indian friends. Literally before I ever went to India, the first time I went, a friend of mine was telling me all this stuff. And he actually told me like two things are going to happen to you when you're in India the first time. And he goes, what's that? He goes, you're going to shit yourself and someone's going to take a, sh- someone's going to take a shit in front of you. And I was like, that is not going to happen, mate. It happened within two fucking days. I shut myself immediately. <laughs> yeah, you should have avoided the salad, mate. Um, but one thing I noticed about India when I went really just caught me off guard, like completely like, because when I went, I was six. Um, and the three things that caught me off guard was swastika is everywhere. Yeah, me too. So the, and the good it one. It looks like Hitler won the war. I was like, like, this is a TV podcast. Have you ever seen, it looks like a set from The Man in the High Castle. I was like, oh my God, I need to start praying on my womb. Get out of this universe. Oh my days, what's happened? I just got on a flight. I've gone through half of Lost and The Man in the High Castle. And I've ended up here. This is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Number two, men hold hands platonically. That yes. confused me. Uh, and number three, ginger Indians. Yes. They put the henna in their hair the and their guys. beard. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. They, they have like, it's like, India's the only country where people choose to be ginger. So like as <laughs> a six-year-old child, I was there and I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? This country's been taken over by gay ginger Nazis. I've, I've had no idea what's happening here. <laughs> Little did you know you could pop in and get a free meal. <laughs> Yeah. sidetracked with things that I'm sure you've cut from the podcast now. Oh, yeah. uh, it's about five minutes long at this Yeah, point. so we're talking about, I, I did Comic Sanskrit, that was really good, it was probably yeah. the, the bit of work I'm proudest of. It was a six-part series on sort of me as a Westerner sort of being raised without really much knowledge on Hinduism, but mm. being raised sort of Hindu, trying to figure out what actually is this religion, what are the tenets, what are, what are the key sort of principles. Then looking at it from a Western perspective, so we did six yeah. episodes, and each episode focused on something that's very popular in the West, but has been written about or focused on in Hindu books and in Hindu culture and in, yeah. by Hindu people for thousands of years. So the first one was obviously yoga, mindfulness, yeah. meditation. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't... You can't oh, mate, I'm going to go just to show him one thing. The, the the yogi that we studied with for a little while when we fell into that fucking westerners trap. Look at this book I've still got here from India. We chopped it all up and put it in a. <laughs> <laughs> you know this guy? Well, I don't. That's There's like, lots of shamans. Like, some, of them, like, some of them trustworthy, others are less trustworthy. Legitimate uh, yog. It's philosophy and practice. Me and my uh, wife did it for a while. That seems more but... legitimate than the advert where I came across when I was researching for the podcast. Oh, really? And it was virgin gyms and it was like power yoga. Oh, I it was Western yoga like, uh, Yeah, it was like written like, build your core strength while achieving inner peace. Yeah, exactly. Core yoga. And I was like, what is this? this is, yeah, this is not the point Downward of yoga. I think it's you, not called that. Yeah, I think you very much <laughs> missed uh, a lot of the most important parts here. But nonetheless, yeah. 
There was there was there was yoga, men, mindfulness, meditation. There yeah. was uh, an episode on sex, the Kama Sutra, and um, yeah, yeah. why why did we write that six thousand years ago before Jesus Christ? And now we're probably like one of the most frigid nations, or like one of the nations that we're not frigid. One point five billion of us, yeah, frigid, <laughs> not behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah, but like uh, we don't want to talk about. It. We're very shy about sex. Yeah. It's it's not really as no open prudish. as it is in the West. And yeah, that's the correct word. So there was that. There was uh, an episode on women. We were the mm. only major religion to have female deities. Yeah, it's the least safe country in the world for women. Um, there was an episode on weed. Shiva loved weed on Shivratri. Everyone drinks weed milkshakes. When my dad yeah. told me this, this kind of blew my mind. Even my mom rang me one day and was like, oh, happy Shivratri. I was like, what does that mean? She was like, it means you can get high tonight and I'm not going to judge you. And I was like, what? Where has this come from, mom? You beat the shit out of me for smoking weed in the past. Like To celebrate Shiva. If they all drink weed really? milkshakes like on that the day. Purge. It's a uh, weed grows freely on the bushes near the oh, Ganges. Yeah. It's yeah. where the word comes from, Ganja Ganges. Like Jamaicans have weed. Fucking of course it does. Yeah, Jamaicans have yeah. weed because of indentured servitude from India bringing it over yes. back during colonial times. Oh. So weed is quite a central part of uh, the Hindu religion. But then again, there's no central parts and there's no religion per, per se. It's mm. a westernized idea of Hinduism. It's just Dharma, the infiniteness or the order of the universe is dharma yeah. your dharma is that you're a podcast you play guitar whatever. my dharma is that i'm a comedian but it's like the natural order mm. of things um at any given moment yeah um and it's like you can pick and choose these things and that's why there's lots of different sects of hinduism and that's why you meet hindus who eat meat yes but you shouldn't eat meat uh, and that was another episode we did vegans yeah and I, I'm, vegetarianism. I'm one first, actually. yeah because yeah. obviously you go to india like back in the day when i went when i was yeah. six you couldn't get you, you went to mcdonald's and you couldn't get meat Everything was veggie. I love that because I'm vegetarian and have been for years. Oh, really? So when I went to India, you would be India. First yeah, thing I'd make was, was the dream for you. tiki burger. Ah, uh, yeah. Like I remember <laughs> seeing the mukraj, which was the big yeah, Mac. the mukraj. Uh, I was just like, what is going on here? Uh, yeah, it's crazy, but well, it's, it's funny it's... that veg is the, the predominant because it's veg and non-veg. Yeah. So it's almost like normal food, and you fuckers go down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A, it's 50, like 60% of the country are veg, and it's yeah. only be got, it was probably more towards 70, 80%, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, Western influence and philosophy sort of found its way to there, and True. it sort of made people less and less um, vegetarian. And then the final episode was atheism, because mm. when I was Googling atheism, I found out the first school of atheism was founded within the Hindu religion. Really? So I'm like, yeah, it was another, because I say like there's different sects, mm. there's different um, people who believe in different, or pray to different gods. One thing that they all seem to teach us, which I think most religions and most people who are religiously inclined have actually missed out on is sort of, be wary of the material world. Oh be wary God, yeah. of attachment. Don't go chasing like outside demons. It'll yeah. just lead you down. It's like you're in my head. <laughs> I have children and we're just trying to con con convince like my eldest he doesn't need all this tat and they're constantly wanting like more and more things and, and I'm trying to like I guess what I'm trying to say is you know how much plastic from China do we really need in the house? <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I'm getting at. And before you came round I had a little 15 minute meditation to sort of calm myself before this so what you're saying sort of you know it does chime yeah well that is the, bit, the big thing most human yeah. beings forget to breathe yeah uh, forget to meditate forget to just take yeah. five seconds of silence and that's like just You've a reset to. on your pc it's and it's very important otherwise that, that's where burnout comes from but bringing this back to i suppose my life story yeah, so yeah i was yeah. there and i'd just done that yeah yeah, yeah. it was very well received yes. uh, it was the happiest like the, the thing I produced that I, that I was the happiest with, I was like, this is banging. I am yeah. proud of this. I got invited to perform at the BBC Radio Music Awards. Wow. And then that was the first thing to get cancelled. Fuck me. And then everything else got cancelled. Dude. And then I was trapped in a four-bed house with five people, kind of just losing my mind. But I did watch some great TV. 
finally back to where I was and living my career that I was from Newcastle instead of London or Manchester. And now I'm trying to really figure out what is the next steps and yeah. what is going to elevate me to not just scraping by and saving up pennies to to really, um, you know, got my yeah. own brand, I've got my own fans, I've got yeah. a tour or whatever. That's sort of the next step for me. Yeah. And you're doing Edinburgh this year, right? You're doing the same places. Yes, right? yes. I'm doing three shows at Edinburgh and mm. uh, my main show. Uh, the Full English, mm. Raoul Britannia, as I've called it, because I feel a bit weird about taking a show called The Full English to Scotland. So I've changed oh, it to Raoul Britannia oh, in right, brackets, right, right. The Full yeah, English. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's all about like how I got my identity as both a Geordie, as an Englishman, as a Brit, uh, whether I can be an Englishman, fully mm. English, because I'm not allowed to be on the census. I've got to be British Asian. You can be British Asian, you can be British black. Yeah, I don't but tick those boxes be, anymore. You, can't, you can be yeah. white English, but you can't be... I can't tick white English I either. Can't I can't be English Asian. White Irish, I think. Oh, really? Because I don't feel English. I never say I'm English. I say I'm British, but I don't feel English. English to me is like... It's that flying, isn't it? Well, that's it. I think my show is half. It's like a modern... It's a celebration of modern England. A lot yeah. of stuff we were talking about at the start of the show, my yeah. material. It's a celebration of modern England and trying to sort of bring a bit of... Because I don't think it's good to remove humanity from people. I think it's good to remove pride from people. Mm. There is white pride, right? But I don't think that has to be synonymous with English pride. No. And I think people can be proud of a lot of England's contributions to the world without necessarily glorifying colonialism. This part of the world has contributed a lot. I think like it's like Ireland and Scotland in the sense that it has its own cultural identity. It's contributed so much to the world, but yeah. we don't really know it. A lot of people outside and inside sort of define us as binge drinkers. And actually, it's like, well, you know, we invented like the fairy light, electricity. We invented um, trains. Trains. <laughs> we invented fairy liquid. We invented uh, Domestos. We invented uh, Greg's. Greg's. Brown Ale. Lucasade. We ended Lucas slavery Aid. in the United Kingdom. Uh, we, committed, we contributed a lot to the universe and we helped build the Large, large Hadron Collider. Really? Uh, well, the Higgs, that's, that was only built because of the Higgs boson particle. Peter Higgs was born in Newcastle to Geordie parents. No, moved to Bristol at a very young age. We, but, Keen on them turning that on, really? It's a bit um, worrying the day when they went. Gonna, we'll turn it on, see what happens. Well, this on. is one of the episodes how how Newcastle uh, put us on a parallel universe. Yeah, uh, that's a little uh, terrifying. It's the Geordie boys' fault. Um, yes, uh, Weaselverse. I don't know if you heard of that conspiracy. No, a weasel on. got trapped in the Large Hadron Collider in 2012, right. and they had to switch it off and get rid of the weasel. Um, but some conspiracists have argued on Reddit that that's what's led to all these once-in-a-lifetime events. It's switched us onto the, a different plane. This is why we've got Trump and Brexit. Trump, and Brexit, the pandemic, all these things. Newcastle United become the richest football club on planet Earth. All of these things were because of the weasel race conspiracy So basically, theory. we're in a different... And none of this has happened and everything's fine and it was like the Olympics and just great stuff afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly uh, that. And then the weasel got trapped. Weasel uh, got and trapped, that, that, fucked it all up. Yeah, pop goes the weasel. <laughs> Thrones are trying to do with Bran Stark, but never right. quite <laughs> really zoned it on. Oh, we've got a TV show. Let's hit a buzzer. So, Game of Thrones, you a big uh, Game of Thrones guy? Until they fucked it, I was. <laughs> Explain. Well, they fucked it, didn't they? They fucked it in the ass. Everybody who's watched Game of Thrones knows exactly what I mean. This isn't in any way a controversial opinion. Seasons one to six, the greatest telly you've ever seen in your life. Season one to six was essentially the, just everybody involved going, we are not your average fantasy series. There's no fucking plot holes. It's all very brutal. Anyone can go. And then season seven and eight was like, we are just your average fantasy series. Really? Please leave us alone. Nobody important dies. There's so many plot holes. You could see from the get-go if you know what you're looking for. Or we're not. 
the script writers. We're not the producers, we're the showrunners. What the fuck is a showrunner? Do you get the cups of tea or something, do you? You fucking idiots. And Did they, they change staff? Did they change writing staff? Well, so here, here's the thing is that George R.R. R. Martin, yeah. the book writer, he knows yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah, motherfucker knows how to tell a story. That motherfucker... I would sit next to him in awe around a campfire. He is still alive, thank God, because I'm waiting for the winds of winter, as is anyone who is a fan of the song and of Ice and Fire Universe. Uh, But that motherfucker knows how to tell a story. I mean, the TV show is amazing, but when I picked up the book, I remember I picked it up before my first Fringe Festival. I just read a couple hundred pages, nothing much. Like the day before, I thought I'd read like 20, 30 pages that night. I fucking finished it within two days. I put my whole fringe really? at Jeopardy. I couldn't put the thing down, man. I was like, oh my God, this is phenomenal. I sort of wish I hadn't picked it up because it did it did take away from my work a little bit, but it is, oh my God, in terms of stories. You're reading it right up to going on stage. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't put it down, man. I was like, getting a couple of pages in like two minutes into the, my actual showtime. Oh my God, it was phenomenal. <laughs> that's uh, that's taught me a lot about storytelling and he really knows how to tell a story. And basically, one to six, they had the books, the full books to... One to five, they had the full books to adapt to. Six, they had probably what was incredibly detailed notes to adapt to. But yeah. you still start to see bits and bobs, little bits of dialogue and things happening here and there where you went, that's a bit fucking stupid. But right. overarchingly, as that sort... Some of these narrative and loose ends were being tied up, it was so good. The Battle of the Bastards was... So good. It was an Emmy award-winning t- TV episode. It was brilliant. It was beautiful that you were willing to ignore some of the few bits of dialogue. Like, I remember it was one from uh, one of the Dornish Sand Snakes who said to um, Bron, who's played by, I believe, Robson from Robson and Jerome, or maybe Jerome, I don't know which is which. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> uh, whichever one he is, but she says to him, like, oh, you... You want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. And even just watching Jesus. it, I was nearly wretched. I was like, this show has yeah. so much brilliant pieces of dialogue. I, I drink and I know things. Um, I'm a fan of bastards, cripples and broken things. There's so many just little tidbits that mm. sort of built for the Instagram era that are just perfect phrases that you get tattooed on you and so many people have. And then like bits of dialogue like that start yeah. to seep in and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Wrestling fan, okay. Um, and I, oh, it's fake. All of this is fake. You, it's, you, well, it's not. What's the word? It's not fake. It's scripted. It is, it's scripted. It's, uh, but people say it's fake. Well, the, the results are known. Yeah, like, it's so scripted. That, it's scripted. It's, it's scripted it's, athleticism. It's, essentially, yeah, it's, it's a choreography. But people say it's fake. I'm like, all this shit is fake. Dragons don't exist. But you're deep in the Game of Thrones. But it's like, if you can make me suspend my disbelief enough, mm. if you can sort of get on that board, particularly with your promos of what's real and what's fake. There's one particular match between Brock Lesnar, who was a UFC champion, who's legitimately the hardest man in that company, and John yeah. Cena. Well, he beats the living shit out of John. Cena. Really? Yeah, I'm uncomfortable watching. I'm like, I'm not sure if if Brock just hates John Cena and is teaching him a lesson publicly, or if this is probably seen some of those kids' films he's in. <laughs> and that is exactly like sort of what you're going for with wrestling. It's that moment of like just the suspending of the disbelief, just being yeah. kept on the edge. Is this real? And you see that model in a lot of reality TV shows. You yeah. kind of going, is this real? Is this scripted? Just Geordie Shaw, this Kardashians, whatever. But like just when they fuck up a move or when they really like the camera really fucks up and shows them throwing a punch and the guy not even being hit but hitting the floor, it's like, ah, 
Thank you for taking me completely out of that. Mm. Ah, this is all bollocks. Do you think it's real blood and stuff? Or do you think they're hard? It is real blood. I know it is because they yeah. sometimes they just accidentally get hit a bit too hard and they put right. their lip. But they blade. What they do is they get hit and they go down and they have a razor blade under the like, oh, wristband gross. and they, they cut really? their head. Jesus that's the, that's how it works. Yeah. Fucking hell. But like uh, something like that can just take you. I can deal with dragons. Mm. I can deal with you know magic and gods and this, that, and the other. But as soon as it's, like, ridiculous dialogue or plot holes or mm. people surviving what in previous seasons would have clearly killed Like Americans them. coming out of car crashes on skates. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, ah, oh, this is... Do you know what I mean? Why? Like, you have to keep me engaged. You just have yeah, to make yeah. this believable. What was the first thing you saw on television, first character or person, that gave you the fuzzy feeling in your loins? Definitely. Whoa, whoa, whoa like, uh, made me, like, sexually attractive or, like, goosebumps? Not necessarily sexually attractive. It can often like I'm just horny. be... I don't think kids get horny, but they do oh, get, no, like... Oh, no, because I remember my exact one. You remember getting horny? As well. You got horny straight away. I remember the first time I ever got horny. <laughs> Go on, right? I was nine years old. Nine. I was watching, maybe ten, I was watching WWE Smackdown and there was a storyline where Vince McMahon was making people kiss his ass, right? Oh, yeah. He's the boss and he's making everybody kiss his ass, right? <laughs> uh, this storyline sort of tails off with The Rock getting revenge for everybody Vince McMahon has made kiss his ass, right? Okay. So he starts bringing out these people one by one who, who, who've kissed Vince's ass and he's like, are oh, you going to kiss his ass, right? So the first person who comes out is JR, right? Who's the commentator. who's okay. quite a chunky old man. And, you know, he sort of pulls his pants down a little bit. Nothing, right? I'm not even... I'm still a kid. I'm like, oh, kiss his ass, Vince. Right? <laughs> and then Trish Stratus comes out. He's this blonde, still to this day, absolutely gorgeous woman, like model, right? Go look at that. Uh, go look her up. Uh, it's the first person I was ever sexually attracted to. She comes out. And yeah. there's a scene, it's a Saturday morning smackdown, so it's pre-watershed. Okay. And she goes to pull her pants down, and as she pulls her pants down, the camera flicks away from her to the audience. But just this sheer suggestion of her putting her ass out, mm-hmm. pulling her pants down, I got in a wreck, I was like, what the fuck is going down really? here? Oh, my God, what is, <laughs> what the hell is happening here? And I just knew something was changing. So straight to 10. I went straight to the PC, and I was like, www.porn.com, and just destroyed the family PC with viruses. Wow. Uh, and luckily for me, my brother knew what was happening and sort so of fixed no... it quite quickly and was like, never do that again. But I know it's happening. Your body's going for changes. Don't worry. <laughs> but That's I amazing. No idea, but I remember that very vividly. So I it came like, from nowhere, excuse the pun. Yeah, I, before then, I'd never looked at a girl and thought, ooh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then immediately I was just, what it's is happening? To, it's nothing to do with you, yeah. see? Nothing to do. It's biology. Um, I was just, I had no idea. I was just like, oh my God, I want to get cooties now. <laughs> it was about 12 or 13 when I discovered the TV show Lost. Lost. And that gave me a lot of goosebumps. Another show with a bad ending. And then, well, some, I some was quite say. sensible. I just cut my losses back then. Now I feel like if I start something, I have to finish it. Yeah. But back then, I got halfway through season three, and there were these others who had penthouse apartments on the mm. other side of the island. I was like, 
What what's going on here? I mean, we've got new builds. This is ridiculous. I literally got lost. <laughs> new builds, yeah. yeah, I was like, what's that going in hatches and like some develop- Yeah, it's yeah. gone from hatches with this weird, <laughs> interesting idea of Dharma and spirituality, and yeah. are they alive or are they not? To like, Clearly wait, dead. the others have just got a new build by like McKinsey on the other side of the island. Hoop this, and I just uh, I stopped watching that. And apparently, that was really good though at first. Heroes, heroes was good. Heroes was really good, and then it just sort of ended after season two. I think it was a writer's strike that just sort of is that what killed it? The writer's apparently, strike. that's what sort of super, apparently mm. what happened. Lost was that um, it was only meant to be two seasons, and then it was so successful the first season that like they were mm. like right. We want stretches to five seasons, and that just led to it being padded out with all so ridiculous that, kind of no. ideas. They would never some take of, that chance. Yeah, some of the best characters got sort of killed off. So that kind of really got me into box sets. That's how I got deeply into box sets. Um, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. So even to kids, this day, kids show, I watch back now, and I'm like, yeah. "Whoa, it's actually quite funny for adults." It's, it's pretty a really funny, good yeah. TV show. I watch it they with my wrote kids. This to balance both, and that is a really hard thing to do. It's quite druggy, is, I think. It, they, yeah, they can't be sober. Or, it's very but, sexual. Is it sandy cheeks? The chum bucket. There's so many little <laughs> sexual bucket. references. Yeah. Mr. Krabs that just sort of snuck in there. The All crusty right. crabs. Like they just sort yeah. of snuck in there. And they're really funny, oh, but like even Mr. Like Krabs' that. daughter's a whale. What what happened here? <laughs> like, and there's just so many little moments. I watch it, I remember watching it quite like stoned at you. You're trying to watch it literally. I'm watching it thinking, like, well, I still enjoy this. And I did, because it was like one moment where it was like they're having a campfire. And then, like, Patrick's like, but how can we have a campfire? We're underwater. Yeah, just I always fire immediately yeah, yeah, yeah. goes yeah, out. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's very meta. The sort of stuff kids would maybe ignore. I loved South Park as a kid. Oh, and God. I look back you at it. You saw South Park as a kid? Yes, and I just, I loved it. And I was like... How old was you when you first saw South Park? Oh, five, six, seven. Fuck I had older brothers and stuff, man. And I mean, older I... cousins, and they corrupted me quite badly. I as can't a do that. kid, I, I, I assume I was just laughing at the fart and shit jokes and the knob jokes and yeah, the, yeah. the stupid heads on Terence and Philip and oh yeah uh, and probably the racism as well and it's then fun, when I watched it when I was older I was like hold on this is one of the best satires I think I've ever watched in my life and still like, good how did I miss all <laughs> of- and it's weird because where Family Guy and The Simpsons have just got worse with age South Park has increasingly just responded to the times did you see the Harry Harry Meghan one better and better yeah. I've not seen the most recent series where just the watched hell that is one. it where is it uh, Comedy Central, surely still. Is it Comedy Set? I don't, no, they just signed some massive, like, yes. $900 million it's deal. somewhere, and I need to... Is it Hulu? Uh, it might be. We can check it's that. Somewhere, it's something I don't have. I yeah. know that much. The South Park creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone signed a $900 million deal with CBS Viacom with plans to put the show on Paramount+, Plus, while currently it streams on HBO Max. No, I don't. Can't I don't do that at all. No, none um, of us do that. I was just about to say, just... Mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, yes uh, but I need to get back on that because every episode I watch I'm just like you've just nailed yeah, the they, current they've times kept of the it, day they've kept it going to perfect I know they've got a new couple of series out that I'm behind on and I need to catch up with that mm. um, I've just started The Mandalorian um, I'm quite a fan of the Star Wars I like, how right. they, I like the Star Wars and the Avengers I just like how they look I've got a big telly what do you think of uh, Obi-Wan? Uh, uh, cinematography was phenomenal Using those big LED surround uh, yes, screens. The filming was phenomenal. Mm. The story made no fucking sense. 
It was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> How does Luke Skywalker just have no idea who Obi-Wan is? Like, yeah. do you not remember that time you got chased through a fucking field by some woman swear like and you don't know what a lightsaber is? That 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 mm. didn't affect your childhood, maybe traumatize you in any way? Like it made no sense. It was just fan fiction really for fans. Yeah. It was a lot of money that Disney knew they could make. Fair enough. They've got a brand there. That's why they spent so much on the Star Wars brand. Um, but for me, uh, I don't know. Uh, I personally enjoyed The Mandalorian and the Boba Fett, but Boba Fett was my favourite growing up. So there, there is all that. There is sort of like beyond the the actual storytelling that I'm looking at where it's sort of just like, same with wrestling. Yeah. Same with following Newcastle. There still is, it takes me back to my childhood yeah. when right and wrong and black was black and white and, and life wasn't quite as complicated and I didn't know what council tax was. <laughs> <laughs> But it was foreign. It was Gamora. Gamora uh, is that good? I think it's the best TV series out there. But, really? but oh, maybe The well, Sopranos is on a part. We'll and that was so. It took me a while to watch, but I only watched it two years ago. And yeah, still, I didn't watch it that long ago. I didn't stop, and I think it was one of the best. I think even now it's still got telling. Like the whole episode, one of the widely regarded worst episodes of The Sopranos was Christopher. It's when uh, the native Indians are protesting and the mob attack them. Oh yes, and I was like, in like when I'm watching it in light of Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. And the protest that came with that. Mm. This was so on the nose. That was yeah, so yeah, yeah, predictive. Yeah. And I think some of the best satire, some of the best TV mm. is predictive. Look at The Simpsons. And that's what the, the Sopranos got it right. And perhaps people watching at the time were like, well, I want to do more mob stuff. I don't want to see, you know, mm. this ridiculous politics. But they got it so right. And just these ideas of like American culture, like the mob and interventions for addiction and seeing a psychotherapist and his feminist daughter who's got a black boyfriend and the the difficulties that come with that. I'm like, this is so on point. And this Mm. came out in like 2002. (laughs) News round, uh, Reggie Yates was in one where he sold like pizzas out of a fucking council flat in a tower block in London. I think it was called The Crust. That was decent, but I just like pizza, so I just think maybe I like looking at pizza. And on that insane note, which makes absolutely no sense. Well, Ralph, thanks for coming. I feel like we could have talked for another hour and a half without any issue here. Yes, we could have. (laughs) Maybe we can come back on again and we can talk a bit more to you. Just get straight to the TV. Straight to the TV. I'll make a list of all the TV shows that I'm watching. Let's do another one in like nine months or something. Sounds good to me, Mum. All right, mate. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me. See you, mate. was Raul Coley came round the house talked to me about lots of stuff we finally got round to some television took a little bit of a time didn't it that's alright that's what happens sometimes a man comes around you give him a cup of tea or whatever and then we chat about something completely irrelevant for a long long time and then finally we remember that we're supposed to talk about TV but I found that very interesting it was a great episode uh, for me did sound a little bit like a milk bottle sorry about that guys I've tried everything with that Uh, it is just a sound issue on the day lots of reflection Uh, didn't quite pad the room out yet that was one of the early ones like I said now to today's outro track today's outro track is a song called Om now I believe this was written around the year 2000 It contains three different ideas, uh, heavily influenced by my trip to India in the year 1999 and recorded in early 2001. 
Now, this was recorded before I had any kind of decent computer or laptop that you would think of in your mind. It was recorded using an Atari from the, oh, I want to say early 90s, running something called Cubase, uh, which was like one megabyte. I think the whole machine was one megabyte. That's all I remember. It doesn't have to get all geeky. And the track was put together on a floppy disk, at least the rhythm track, and then everything else played in to some kind of I don't know, hard, hard disk recorder that I had. I don't even remember what I recorded it on. But it was pretty loose and it wasn't great. And I've tried to clean it up a bit. But we were talking about India a lot and I was thinking about a song I might have written that was influenced by that. And, you know, I guess it's my basher, a sort of cooler shaker kind of vibe, even though it was nothing like their style at all. Bit yoga-ish, if anything. Cool. So this is the Om Trilogy, I think is its full title. But look, this was never on any, like, proper, proper albums. This was just a home record in 2001. So uh, bear with and have some sympathy for what I was trying to achieve. Older, but I cannot live my 
don't know what I can say about that. I have tried yoga many, many times, been to India a number of times and have attempted to take all that in. But unfortunately, I have a real severe fear of religion and sects. And after a little while, it all gets a little like that and I run away. But I hope you enjoyed that song, at least. And come back next week and follow us on all the places where podcasts live and leave a review. Even if you say it's shit, please don't say it's shit. Say it's good, because it is, isn't it? See you next time on Television Times. (laughs) 